0: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, one of his promises, whoever makes hijrah in the path of Allah shall surely find in the land much ease and abundance. This is the religion of hijrah, because the chosen one, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, made his hijrah, which we associate with this time of the year, with the commencement of our calendar, with the turning of a new page in the history of Tawheed, but in this he was not unique. So many of the Anbiya before him made their Hijrah. So at this time we remember what is new and also what is historic and traditional. And we remember particularly in this time that ours is a religion of Hijrah, but also an Ummah of Hijrah and muhajirin, people who make Hijrah. Ours is a time when whole populations seem to be on the move. 100, 200 people washing up on the beach of Dover every morning. Some alive, some of them tragically dead. Most of them from the lands of Islam. May we welcome them, insha'Allah, with open arms and open hearts as the Ansar welcomed the Muhajireen, because this is the way of our hospitable religion a world of asylum seekers a world of refugees a world of displacement a world of economic migrants everybody seems to be moving around so the Holy Sallallahu when he comes to the city of Medina is with them he too is an asylum seeker he too is a refugee and he too is optimistic following this beautiful divine promise But note that his optimism is not because he's looking for a job. He doesn't want status. He's not interested in a job that will enable him to get a swanky car to show off to those who have not had the fortune of getting a new passport. This is not the chosen one's way, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He cares nothing for wealth and for status. He is the one who lies underneath the palm tree leaving a mark uh, and says, what have I to do with this world? I'm just like a traveler who rests for a while and passes on. And this is the wisdom of the believer because everything that we have that is in our hands, we will leave behind. But what we said before for our akhirah, and what we do in order to make the lives of others sweeter and more blessed, that will remain. And our memory will be fragrant. So he comes from Allah after so many adventures hiding with the thani name Abu Bakr as siddiq radiyallahu in the cave and then they go on that strange route to avoid the death squads uh, they go to Osfan and then to Qudayd and it's a long journey and they appear and we know the story of how they're welcomed by the girls of Banin Najjar Tala al-Badru yes a new moon has risen over us the moon of prophecy which rises and then through human sinfulness wanes and is forgotten until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings the beauty of the moon back again. We know the story and we know the thousands upon thousands of lessons which it entails. And we know also the importance of hijrah in Islam is that it is all to do with intention. It is not the same if you come to England to spread Tawheed, and then if you come to England to attend the races at Ascot with a lot of other Middle Eastern princes. It's not the same. What is the first Hadith that is narrated in Sahih al-Bukhari? This greatest of our Hadith collections by Imam al-Bukhari. At the beginning, of course, there is the Kitab al wahi the book of the beginning of Revelation. But right at the beginning, the very first Hadith startles us. Where he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, الْأَعْمَالُ Amanu bin مَا نَوَى in know this hadith. It reminds us that Islam is not about intention, about actions, but is about the reason for our actions. Actions can have so many intentions. Even a prayer can be done for an evil intention if it's there just ostentatiously. So he says, wa sallam and Imam Al Bukhari is deliberately putting this right at the beginning of his book to remind himself and those who read and study that they have to have the right intention. Otherwise, all of this hadith that they learn will be against them and not for them on the day of reckoning actions are only by intentions and every man shall be credited only that for that which he intended so whoever's hijra was for allah and his messenger his hijra was for allah and his messenger and whoever's hijra was for some worldly enrichment or to marry some woman his hijra was for that for which he migrated this strikes home one can migrate for many reasons there's the hijra of harab and the Hijrah of Talab, if you are being chased out of a country by a tyrant, that is the Hijrah of Harab, and you go somewhere where you can practice your religion with more ease. If you make Hijra of Talab seeking something, that saying might be many things. And it's not intrinsically wrong to wish to better your circumstances in the dunya and the circumstances of your children. This is not intrinsically wrong. لَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ أَنْ تَبْتَغُوا فَضْلًا It's not a sin for you to seek the grace and the generosity of your Lord. But the underlying intention must always be for Allah and His Messenger. There is no competition with dunya uh, high and above. So those of us who came just for dunya, or to marry somebody in order to get a passport, or for whatever other dunya reason, need to inspect their intentions because if you migrate for dunya dunya may eat you alive and may eat your children alive there will be no barakah because your intention was essentially not an islamic intention but we can always change our intentions allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens that door at any time it is part of tawbah itself we face the qibla we can address the Lord of the Worlds, we can speak in the darkest secret recesses of our heart and say, Ya Allah, I wish my presence in this land to be for you, so that I may help others and witness to the truth, to bring Tawheed for people who are sitting in gar- darkness, this is why I am here. We need to have that intention and then we will see uh, this muragaman kathiran wasa, the ease and plenty which Allah has promised, and we will see the barakah, in our families, and in our children, and this is part of the wisdom of the Muhajireen in every age. So the Muhajireen, at this blessed time of the year, reach Medina and they are empty-handed, impoverished, like those men who wash up on Dover beach with nothing at all, except hope and iman in their hearts, and look at what Medina is within 10 years. SubhanAllah. Allah can change people irrespective of the state of their bank balances and irrespective of the status which they hold in the eyes of the secular world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who controls history. So they reach the city of Medina and they find the Jews with whom they've had a pact, the Mu'akhat, and the covenant of Medina, as we say, and the Jews are fasting. On the day of Ashura. And it is said to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is the day on which Allah saved Musa. And so he says, then we will fast it. We have more right. And if I am given to live until next year, I shall fast the ninth as well. So this Ashura was the first fast in Islam. It was only in the second year of the Hijrah that Ramadan was instituted and became an obligation. For that first year, it was Ashura, an obligation. Now it is a sunnah, and a beautiful sunnah. And it is our way of celebrating, not with brass bands and empty ceremonies, but with this fasting that helps us to return to our Lord to remind us that a hijra, a migration, must be pure-hearted. <clears throat> Think of that extraordinary way in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved the Bani Israel from the evil of Fir'aun. So many people in our time are fleeing unjust and tyrannous regimes. This is nothing new. And they find comfort in that story. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards those who are patient under the boot of a tyrant and opens for them ways that they could not imagine if they have this tawakkul so Musa alayhi yeah, salam he has a solitary temperament, they say a big, strong man, firm, natural leader. you would think but there's this auqtah in his tongue sometimes not fully easy to understand, they say huh? and he has to take on empty-handed firau these great tyrants of history when you think about the pages of history no greater tyrant, no more symbol of stupid status-seeking injustice than Fir'aun and Haman, his chief minister and their soldiers, the sinners so Musa, salam, is in the desert and he spends his time in the encampment of the one whom many of the ulama saying was Sayyidina Shu'aib alayhi salam that he marries things seem good, he's away from the valley of Egypt he's made his hijrah and that seems to be the end of it but it isn't, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has different plans and he speaks to him every prophet has his own particular way of referring to the unimaginable divine reality and that of Sayyidina Musa is a very Jalal one, majestic. He sees the mountain shattered when he asks for the divine self-manifestation. And he speaks and he hears in that strange light in the desert. There's something unique and extraordinary about Sayyidina Morsa, whom we call Kalimullah, the one who has speech with the divine. Can we imagine what that would be? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, And you spent years in the people of Madian, and now you have come to the appointed time, O oh, Musa, the appointed time. And he commands him to do this unimaginably terrifying thing. فِي Go to Fir'aul, you with your brother and do not do not uh, lapse do not refrain do not slacken in your remembrance this is the weapon which he'll be given and he's given other ayat, nine signs to show Fir'aul of course has this privilege of speaking to the creator of the universe, and he wants to know exactly what this is going to entail. Is it just a one way trip, a journey of martyrdom? <speaking in Hebrew> we fear that he will be tyrannous against us or we'll go to extremes. <speaking in Hebrew> and Allah says do not fear you and your brother I shall be with you Uh, I hear and I see so go to him and say to him send off with us the Bani Israel and stop torturing them he has to do this We have come to you with a sign from your Lord and peace be upon those who follow the mission. This is more or less like being Jewish and going to see Hitler to tell him to lighten up and to be easier. Looks like a one-way ticket. And he complies. And from that safe desert place, the mightiest army on earth. And Firaun asks him questions after hearing this ridiculous request. Here is the man with no weapons who wants to take his people away. Well, they kind of useful. Slave labor. Allah Marrabukuma Ya Musa. Firaun says, Who is your Lord? He doesn't say who is the Lord? Who is Allah? Who is your Lord? to you're a private religious community, what kind of funny god is it that you worship? Musa alayhi salam indicating that it's not the god of a people, but the god shay'in right. And he indicates, <laughs> Our Lord, including everybody, is the one who gives everything its creation, then guides it. Not the one who just begins creation and then sits back and watches things happen, but the one who is constantly active in history, the one who is with him, the one who has settled his heart and given him the strength for this terrifying encounter. So this is not the answer that Fir'aun is thinking of, because when you think about it, the world must have some kind of source, must have a creator, something must keep the order of creation going, it doesn't look as if the basis of it all is just chaos and randomness. There's plenty of order. So Fir'an has to think about this. But then he thinks about his people, his nationalistic, his family, his ancestors. How many dynasties going back to the first dynasty in Egypt? Pride, ancestral pride. This dangerous, lethal wine that he has drunk. So the second question to Musa is, so what is the, what about the earlier generations? Because he thinks, if Morsa says, they were worthless tyrants, they're going to hell, then that's it, led away for some terrifying execution. Mm-hmm. And Musa says, inspired by the Lord, He says, their knowledge is recorded with my Lord, he who does not go astray and forgets nothing. He's telling the truth, but he wants to continue the conversation. And we know how this unfolds. And this is told so many times in Allah's book that we need to recognize how important it is. This is the conflict between tyranny and helpless righteousness. And we know how this story ends in a way that nobody could have expected. The Musa has in place of the chariots and the spears that you can still see in the Egyptian museum and the treasures of Tutankhamun because they thought they could take their armies with them. All of these golden stuff from the chariots and the harnesses. Yeah, Musa has just a stick, a wooden stick. And this is his weapon. Well, it isn't a weapon, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do anything with anything whenever he likes. So the plagues happened to Egypt, so many signs the frogs, and the pustules, the plague, and the rain of blood and the river that can no longer be drunk from. Uh, All of these signs, and each time he says yes, and then he says no. When the plague is lifted, he says no again. Pride, Targut. And then finally he lets them go, but then he changes his mind again, and he sends his splendid golden army with the chariots and the horses and the foot soldiers and the slaves after them, and they've got the red sea before them and everybody knows what happens next he strikes with his staff the sea and it splits and each side is like a great mountain allah's miracle and they go through and they pass on to the land that allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has promised them The migrant has to have an idea of where he's going to be something better. And this is the land which they have been promised, to the extent that they recognize all of Allah's prophets, and to the extent that they are just in that land, they are there in that land. But that's in the future. And they pass through this terrifying spectacle that is just another reminder of the omnipotent divine glory, the one who can create the world from nothing, the one who can revive the earth with the rain, the one who brings the miracle of life in the womb of the mother the one who does wonder after wonder after wonders he does this wonder um, and the Israelites are saved their hijrah, first stage is completed and Fir'aun and Haman and the soldiers are washed away so this too is something that we recall and there's obviously a connection between these two migrations The Holy Prophet is coming from his people, but we notice because he is Nabi al-Rahmah, the Prophet of Mercy, he does not pray for the destruction of his people. He prays for their guidance. And his prayers are so strong that some of them convert. You know the story of Omar ibn al-Khattab, how he was a fierce aristocratic opponent of the believers and how his heart melted and he became such a strong ally, uh, uh, supporter, of the religion. The true kingdom of prophecy is the human heart. Nothing else can follow it there. Fir'aun cannot command the love of our hearts, only the obedience of our bodies. But prophecy reaches in to those deepest places and makes heroes out of miscreants. But at no point is it in the fate of the Holy Prophet of Islam Sallallahu Alaihi To be a misfortune for his people No rain of frogs No blood in the water No terrible epidemic He prays for them Guide my people for they do not know And he leaves They try to kill him we know the story, he's in the cave for three days, Asma and Abi Bakr risking her life is taking provisions to Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, and her blessed father, the Siddiq, uh, under the noses of Abu Jahl uh, and the prowling horseman, she's one of the heroines of Islam. Uh, they want to leave because they know that at the end of their hijra there are these maravaman kathiran and wasa, this great ease and plenty which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises. It looked to everybody as if Islam was finished. They had left. Off into the desert, to the city of Medina, a troubled place. That was the end of the religion of Islam. So the lesson here is the simple lesson that we move around in Allah's earth for so many reasons. And this is a mobile age. Whole populations, whole nations seem to be on the move. They, we need to rectify their intentions. Because it is through intentions that the golden gates of Allah's favor are opened. That wonders can come. That a miraculous future is opened to those who have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their hearts. And wish truly to tread in the footsteps of the Chosen One sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Of whom it was said by those girls in such joy. Tala the full moon is risen over us. So may this be a good year and a blessed year. May Allah accept our fast, make us remember with reverence the absolute modern relevance of all of these stories in the Qur'an without exception, which are great archetypes, which show us that human drama in all of its dimensions. And may we, inshallah, be people of the Qur'an and learn from the Qur'an and benefit from every letter that is in the Qur'an, inshallah, and rectify our intentions be once again a people of noble hijra rather than people who are beggars uh, in the earth.